and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast. We've had 10 days off, but we are back for a one-off special just to have a little look over a thoroughly enjoyable season for Sunderland Association Football Club. We'll be giving reaction to the news, obviously, that Carroll has increased his stake today and Stuart Donald has departed entirely. Looking at the key moments from the season, sort of assessing the key players, hopes for the future, as we basically assess 22-23 in as much depth as we can, and I'm, I'm really pleased to, to be able to do it because it's been a really enjoyable season despite the slightly frustrating end. But um, first and foremost, I do want to run you through a couple of regular voices to the show. First up, as always, it's uh, Brad Sharp. Brad, are you all right, mate? You doing well? Yeah, I'm very good, Graham. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just feeling a bit like, like you said there, does the end of the season sort of dampen it? No. Um just watched the playoff final. It was a little bit frustrating to watching that, seeing the standard that was on show. But yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, sun's been shining, no rain forecast for quite a while. So yeah. Yeah, not too bad. I think um, obviously we're going to get more in depth there, but I do think that 10-day reflections kind of helped. I think it's probably, obviously me and Dave jumped into a reaction show after the, the Luton game and it was still quite positive, to be fair, but I think the reflections just helped even more. And I'm, I'm actually quite excited to be getting stuck into this, which is probably something um, you don't always expect at the end of the season with something, but we've struck gold twice, two seasons in a row. But um, before we go into it, Dave, obviously you're joining us. How are you doing, mate? Are you all right? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, um, nice, to, nice to have a bit of an emotional break from it all, I guess, and, and the, mm-hmm. the roller coaster that is football life. But... Yeah, exactly the same as Brad. A little bit frustrated because you 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 think you're the better team than, than what was on short a day. Ultimately, we weren't in the second leg against Luton, um, which we appreciate that. But yeah, it's um, it's it's good to, good to look back, and we've got plenty of fond memories this season to, to go at. I think so. Yeah, it should be an enjoyable one. Funny you, you mentioned there about having the uh, the emotional break, and I was just about to agree with you. But then I remember six days ago, obviously people will know I, I worked for a women's football team on the weekend, and uh, we won the title in the ninety second minute at Ibrox. So I have had absolutely no emotional break from it. Just uh, a couple of swift, nice drinks uh, last Sunday after a fabulous, fabulous win. But uh, we hate to talk about something. But before we do, obviously we are missing Ross. I believe um, his girlfriend's actually not that far away from giving birth to their first child. So obviously wish them both massive luck. We'll plough on without them. And I'm sure we'll see him in the new season, um, which either might excite you or might disappoint you. I'm going to leave that to the audience reaction. Um, but Brad, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. We, we planned on doing this for a while. And obviously we're going to go into the sort of looking at the players we signed, you know, the, the players this season, the best moments of the season, the hopes for the future. But then obviously news broke this morning that Kirill and uh, Satori have both increased their stake. Essentially what it means is that Stu Donald is, is completely gone. I think that's probably good news, to be honest, without going too in-depth on it. Um, well, I'm saying probably it is good news. But um, what are your thoughts on, obviously, the, the situation? Because Satori then increases his stake, and I know he's not always been flavour of the month with everyone else. Yeah, it's, it is good news to get started on the summer. I think it it follows on from Speakman's interview yesterday, which was really good. If you haven't heard it, have a listen. Um, that they are starting to plan early. Um, he said basically playoffs won't be good enough next year. We want to be automatic. So that, that means I think they're looking at maybe putting a little bit more money in, a bit more class, a um, bit more quality. Stuart Donald hasn't got the money to do that. I do, I, I mean, it just, 
it does prove what we all assumed. He was hanging on, hoping we got promoted this season to make an extra couple of million pounds. That's all it was. Um, so if any positive can be that we didn't go up, was the, the chancer has completely gone and followed his mate with the red salmon pants out the door. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it is good. It, it's good to get it early before the window opens because it's it sort of, we now know that it's just the two the two of them that are putting the money in. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually, like, like I put in the group yesterday, I'm, I'm looking forward to the transfer window based on what Speakman was saying. But I'm even more looking forward to it now knowing that I think Louis Dreyfus and Sartori are, are going to try and push us forward to that next level. Really pleased with your um, man in the pub microanalysis there, Brad. <laughs> Those of you who get the joke will find that hopefully quite funny. Um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of it. I think... Um, I make no secret of it. I'm not a huge fan of Satori. I'd rather he was completely out of the picture entirely. But you know, sometimes you, you you kind of get rid of everything you want at the same time. And I think that's that's two of the main people gone now that we we wanted away from the club. And uh, based on the season we've just had and and Kirill's track work, track record so far, yeah, very very good news. And I think that ultimately is a lot more positive than than negative. But um, Dave, I'll come to you as well before we go in depth on the season. I'm going to say, how do you feel about the news? But I know you're going to feel positive about it as well. I think almost everyone does. But say, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, pure positivity. He he got a lot wrong. He suffered the consequences and just proves that nobody's bigger than the club. Um, he was always gonna was always gonna go. He can go back to Eastley now. I'm sure he's learned a lot of lessons for himself personally as well. I'm, I'm sure that'll uh, maybe stand him in good stead. But I understand the business point of view, why he took it on. Who knows where we'd have been at had he not have took it on, really. Um, I'm sure somebody else would have would have done it. But We would have had a potentially £20 million still, but there you go. <laughs> well, there is that, of course. <laughs> um, he's gone. We'll forget about him. It could have went... A lot worse than it did um, in terms of we could have done a bury or something like that. Uh, so we've come out the other side. Everything's looking rosy. Everything's looking positive. We don't have to mention them anymore. And uh, yeah, looking forward to moving on another season. It would be interesting to see if, all of, when you mentioned the payments there, the 20 million, it'd be interesting to see if the rest of that money has been repaid or that's part of the transaction, part of the deal. That it doesn't have to pay, but he doesn't get any money. It'd be interesting if the club, well, they'll have to show their accounts, won't they, at some point? Um, if he if he did make the repayments or was some sort of deal that was made where he doesn't have to, but he goes with no extra money bought out. As it was, like we said, we're going to reflect on the season, which has been hugely enjoyable, um, massively enjoyable. To be fair, like I think you know, almost every week, even sort of the, the big defeat, even the, the Stoke defeat when we lost 5-1, I thoroughly enjoyed coming on because I was absolutely wrecked. And that's the first time I've done a podcast in that state and, and that was fun looking back. But um, almost every game this season, every month, every weekend, it's been really enjoyable and it definitely feels like there's, there's sort of a more of a, a something back there. And I said the first thing we were going to discuss was to rate our season out of 10. Um, I'll go first and I'll, I'll hand it over to Brad, but I, I kind of hummed in hard on this because... Tens, obviously, you win the league, you don't lose a game. Um, and you're back in the Premier League and every signing's worked out. It hasn't quite been like that, but it hasn't been that far off. Um, I think I said at the start of the season, if we finish 15th, I'd, I'd snap your hands off for it. I just wanted a season of relative consolidation and 
sort of, I think pretty early on, we all realised that we were far better than just consolidation. And then we got the injuries and then we had the managers leaving. Then you had more injuries, then more injuries, then even more injuries. And then you think you complete up the picture and then you get in six in the playoffs um, without the centre forward and without your two centre offs. And you just think, you know, looking at that, the, the adversity that we've come up against throughout the season has been it's outstanding how we've responded. I think, you know, if there's anything I could maybe be frustrated about, I like to have balance would be, could we have gone one better if we'd maybe, you know, signed another striker or, or done something different? Like, could we have maybe got further on if we'd had a, another version of Ross Stewart in that Luton game? If we'd had, but, but I think ultimately the amount of injuries we had, I mean, we spoke off air, Brad, before, I think, you know, Dan Ballard and the Danny Bart centre-half and maybe a Ross Stewart up front in that second-looking game and things may have been very, very different. I don't think anyone could have anticipated Alex Neal even after four games and then literally everyone getting injured. I mean, Embleton, Ross Stewart, Corey Evans, Dan Ballard, Danny Bart, Lyndon Gooch, Dennis Serkin, the list goes on. Like, we misplayed for a long period of time and... I'm probably, I mean, I'm missing Aji out of that as well. The amount of injuries we had, like, was just crazy. The fact that we finished sixth with it and we were basically only bettered by one goal by the team who has gone up and is, is going to be a Premier League team next season, I think is just massive to where Sunderland are as a football club at the moment. And after, you know, when we started this podcast, it was behind closed doors and games and COVID was happening and we were in League One and things were absolutely rubbish and we had Josh Gowan in midfield um, and players that really couldn't manage the magnitude of this football club and from the likes of sort of Carl Winchester who really got hold of the club, understood the club and, and Ross Stewart and whatnot last season getting us promoted to to this season where, you know, that spirit and continuation of that spirit has, has came into this season and face that adversity sort of head on, mixed with the absolute quality that we've got in the likes of Patrick Roberts, Jack Clark, and obviously Diallo there last season, and, and there's other players that I haven't mentioned. I think it's been a fantastic season, and I think the biggest compliment I can give them is the response of the players and the staff to all of that adversity they've had as an indication of the people that we've got within the club, both on and off the pitch. They've stood up and they've been counted to, to everything, and not only have they stood up and been counted, they've achieved under it. Um and I've never been, you know, I, I've a few times sort of wondered about Speakman and, and stuff like that. And I just want to go back to what you said before, Brad, about his his interview. And he said, like, you can tell, uh, you know, the the measure of a person or a team by how they respond to adversity. Um, and he was, he said, you know, this team hasn't just responded, they've achieved. Uh, and I absolutely 100% agree with him. And I think it's something that's a football club. Eight out of ten, I feel like I should be a bit higher because it's been phenomenal. Um, and I can't wait for the lads to get back and, and see what we do moving forward. Football club feels alive again, and that's the biggest compliment I can give everyone at the club. Um, thanks for a great season. Hope it continues. But um, Brad, I'll stop waffling, mate, because I've just talked a lot. Um, what do you give the, the club out of the out of ten this season and, and what were your thoughts on the season as a whole? Um echo everything you said, really. It's just been, I think we've said it week in, week out, bar maybe four games this season. Um, it's been an absolute joy to watch. Absolutely. Like, there's been times where we've been turned up, you see the team sheet and you think, oh, in the previous years, it would have been a justified thought and it probably would have went wrong. 
but the, the 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 lads just kept just kept going. There's been times when we had a bunch of youngins in and we were getting beat, but they didn't let the heads drop. And I think that worked to our favour sometimes because they didn't panic. They just kept going. Um, it's just been it's just been I I I'm how old was I when Peter Reed out? Them years, I was around seven to nine year old through them them great times. So I've got I've got a memory of it, but in my memory of being growing up, going to games, this has been the best season, best football that I've seen Sunderland play. So for me, for a, a rating of the season, it's got to be a nine. I mean, the only way it can be a ten is like you said, if we got promoted when it was champions or went up through the playoffs. Um, but we were very close, and we got there. Somehow, um, I mean, I called it at the start of the season. I've just got to put that back in there. Um, but yeah, nine out of ten. It could have easily been maybe a nine and a half. It's just been absolutely fantastic. And that's the only thing I'm disappointed about is the season's finished because I just love going to games every single week. I love watching us. I love the brand of football. Um, speaks volumes when Unai Emery this week was doing his uh, press conference for the Brighton game tomorrow. Two very good teams, Villa and Brighton, play very good football. And Emery touched on watching Sunderland this season and how good they were. Um, he says like the brand of football in different leagues, but then he said you only have to look in the championship and he, he quoted us and Burnley. And that's a that's a massive compliment considering Burnley ripped this league to bits. Um so it's been noticed everywhere, and it's not just us being a bit biased. It's just been fantastic. Every pundit you listen to always compliment that it's just when we score a great goal, it's not just a one-off sun and do this week in, week out. And it's something we've become accustomed to, so I'm very excited to see how we go next season. But from the season gone, nine out of ten, couldn't complain about pretty much anything. Yeah, same. Um, we've had certain things where we've gone, the, the striker situation, obviously we discussed quite a bit and stuff like that, but everything that was a worry in the end worked out being relatively all right. In many ways, I mean, I know we didn't beat Luton and, and that hurt and yada yada, but hey, crikey, we had Lynn and Gucci centre off as well. So I don't know how much a striker would have fixed that issue. But um, Dave, I, I know you're going to be positive as well about it because I know you've enjoyed it as much as me and Brad. But um, I will give you a say as well. What's your what's your mark out of ten and why? Just to be different, because we all know I love it. I'll go eight point five. <laughs> nah, come on, it's um. What can you say? It's it's probably boring for people. Well, probably boring for people listening because we're just all season we've done it. We and even even the mini meltdowns that we've had, apart from the one infamous quote about trying Lugo nine up top because we were fucked. Um, other than that, I don't think we've had much of a much of a wobble this year from us reviewing games. And I think to echo the bit that you said about the staff and the players and the squad. If you look at it, every single time there's been adversity, someone steps up and someone does something. They don't just make up the numbers. They make themselves counted. It's it's magic. I mean, Benetti away at Watford. Um, there's so many of them. Gelhart, okay, we... We haven't, me and you especially, haven't massively overly enjoyed watching him too much. But we can see, we can still appreciate what he did um, massively. And 
I, I think if you look at his loan, what would you? You'd maybe give it a six and a half out of ten for for the time that he was here. Probably could easily be a seven just for his his workman like performances. It's it's not his fault that he's he's small, you know. Um, but he did a job. Came in and he bought into the ethos that we seem to have. Mowbray seems to extend that massively. So we'll go eight and a half. I think, yeah, I think Brad's right. Four times this season, maybe we haven't turned up. We can definitely see a Stoke. Uh, we can, I, th- I think, Luton second leg, unfortunately. And I know they've done a job on us. The Stoke game, we, we weren't at the races. But Luton were very effective in what they did to us and fair play to them. And, and well done for getting promoted. Uh, they'll have a great year themselves. I just, it does. I've had that 10, 10 days of reaction and, and to look back on it. And yes, I'm not that bitterly disappointed that it's kind of, it's it's kind of missed out on a, on a massive opportunity to get promoted because I think we're better than what was in there. Just failed on the day, unfortunately. And because of those massive, massive injuries, but I think every all anyone wanted, probably the people who took over the club and stuff like that, was for us to be proud again as a club, as a city, of the people representing us. I think I'd struggle to find many people who could say that we're we're not proud of what's going on out there at the minute. And everyone's excited. Brad's alluded to it. He, he's listened to the podcast um, about Speakman saying uh, automatic promotion. That will be an expectation within the fan base next season. So the first twelve games are going to be massively interesting. But we've got a we've got about ten wonder kids to sign before then. So we've got to be uh, really excited to see who comes in. From I'm sure we're probably looking at like the Azerbaijani Ronaldinho or something like that. Definitely on his way in. Can't wait for it. I think um, such before about players coming in, stepping up as well. I think one game that sticks out in my mind, and I'm I'm not going to go too in depth about the players because obviously the next question is our our top three players, and we're going from three to one. Um, you look at the Birmingham game on the Friday night where Diallo scored and and um, Simji scored, and I think that day we were absolutely knackered for injuries. Like if you remember our defense that day, I'm sure it was Danny Bart, Luke O'Neill at centre half. Um, your left back was Niall Huggins, who hadn't played for about 18 months. And then at the time, your right back was was Trey Hume, someone who hadn't barely played that season. And when he had came in the season prior, he, he'd looked a bit shaky, like the Rotherham game at home in, in League One just before the playoffs and stuff like that. I think when you look at um, the way they came in and they stepped up, that defence, to be fair, I know Huggins has not been fit really, but that ended up being our defence for most of the end of the season because it was so good. Um, from there moving forward. And even though, like I said, Diallo, I know obviously we'll go in more in depth in, on Diallo and stuff like that, but um, Diallo came in not at the start of the season. He came in after um, Mowbray had taken over. I think he was introduced against Rotherham. And then Roberts didn't start the season and the team, everyone that's came in has just really stepped up. And I think going on this next question is actually really difficult. Normally, if you're trying to pick your favourite three players or the best three players or players you you want to give, um, pardon me, I've got a right cough today. Um, you want to give you pick the three players that you want to give sort of a bit of love to or say had a good season. You can only just sort of pick them 
and it's normally relatively easy. Like, even last season, it was like, well, Ross Stewart. And then you had a few more players. And last season was a very good season that ended very, very well. But this season, it's like, I feel like every diff- every week I've got a different favourite player. Every time I watch someone, I'm like, oh, I love Diallo. Oh, I love Patrick Roberts. Oh, Jack Clark's amazing. So narrowing down these three was actually really difficult to the point where I had to have a tie in my number three place. Um, so I'll go first. And I'll, I'll come to Brad for his number three and then you as well, Dave. But um, my number three is a tie because I couldn't split them apart. I genuinely couldn't split them apart for their performances this season. Um, I don't think it's going to shock anyone that one of them's Ahmad Diallo. Crazily unlucky not to be number one because of the moments he's had this season, the quality he's shown on the pitch. And I think he's probably the best loan player I've had in my lifetime. Um, what an absolutely terrific player. Just brilliant um, throughout the whole season. We'll get into his moments, but um, I really felt like he came here. He's found a home. You could quite clearly see it's hurting him to leave, even though I think we all agree we kind of understand why. And I just think he's been fabulous. Um, I thought he would be a good signer when we brought him in. I know he didn't have the best season last season at Rangers, but the times I'd watched him, you could see there was a bit of quality there. And when he came here, he just was even better than what I expected. Um, but alongside him is someone who I honestly didn't think would make the grade for a long, long time and thought, ah, maybe that's one of the, maybe that's the duffer we've signed. You know, that's the the Leon Diaku of, of last January, as it was. But he's, his personality, his commitment, he loves a tackle. I think that massively endears him to almost every Sunderland fan in the fan base. But he's also a really good player. He's fitted in a few different positions this season across the back. Um, he's workmanlike. He's got to get him forward. He can put a good ball in. He's popped up with a couple of important goals, one in the playoffs. But for me, Trey Hume has been outstanding. Um, for me, I think, you know, my favourite player of all time when I was a kid was Chris Macon. And I don't know why, but I think looking back, I just like that. He worked hard. I knew he was going to give me a 7 out of 10 every week. And I knew that if he was going to get beaten, it wasn't going to be because of effort. And I feel like Trey's exactly like that. Um, and I get the feeling he's going to be one of my favourite players come come season end. And I'm absolutely devastated I can't put Patrick Robertson because obviously he's unbelievable. But um, unfortunately, he narrowly misses out. But in my number three spot is, is two. I've picked Diallo and Trey Hume because I literally can't split them apart. But... Um, my number two and my number one are, are separate entities. But Brad, I'll, I'll ask for your number three. Um, where, where are we going? I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I can't split between two. Um, but one of my ones in the top two like, might be a bit controversial. But yeah, so in, in tied for me in third, and this probably is controversial, it would be Danny Bart. Now he's unlucky to be further up for me because I thought he was absolutely exceptional all season. One of the fans play of the year. Um but I just think the people I've picked above him for different reasons have maybe impressed me a little bit more. But that's not taking anything away from Danny Bark because I could pick eight that could all fight for first. So, and it's great to have that dilemma. And third, and my joint third is another one which is a, probably is a little bit controversial as well because he probably should be higher up because of his numbers. I mean, how many 24 goals and assists or goal contributions this season would be Jack Clark. And the only reason I haven't put him higher I'm probably one of the very few fans it's because of how good a player he is when he's having an off game I get so frustrated with him and there's been a few times this season when he's like I sit in the south stand when we're attacking um, our way and he's coming down the left hand side the side I sit at 
and sometimes I'm just like, put the ball in, put the ball, and he run out of play, and I just get so angry. Or he gives away the silly little fouls when he doesn't need to. But that's the negatives on him. What he what he's produced numbers wise for such a young lad, someone who's probably been a little bit out of confidence after being passed from pillar to post over the last couple of seasons after his big money move. That's a that's a, a statement season for him to come back and put in numbers like that because. God, if he wasn't frustrating, what would his numbers be like? If he was just a, like a, a consistent player of how good he is, he, he wouldn't be with us. Um, so both of them are very unlucky not to be high up in mind, but Danny Barton, Jack Clark, just a class. They've had a class season, but Matt too, in my opinion, had a better one. I'm going to reiterate that I don't think Jack Clark's frustrating at all. I absolutely love him. Um, Dave, you can have your number three. This is the it's the worst game ever because like I I I don't know how I can fit so few people when I've had such a great season of watching them. So where we go, if you two have had two, so I'm having two. Um, massive injuries, but he's gonna he give us one of the best and a bit of a personal moment for me. Um. Give us one of the best feelings. I took my daughter to our first game uh, down at West Brom, and I think he's been brilliant. And you, and you wouldn't you wouldn't expect your left back, your left centre back, to pop up with two goals against a very very huge big team. So I'm I'm almost not doing this based on quality. I'm doing it based on. <sighs> slight favouritism of, of who's given me great moments this season um, so in tied third for me would definitely be Dennis Sergan yeah I could go anywhere with this um, but I just think he's brilliant it's nice isn't it isn't it weird how as football fans a lot of us get told that we haven't got a clue or whatever and remember when the Spurs fans were all over Twitter can't, can't believe we're getting rid of him there's a player in there somewhere now, I'm not saying for a second that he would be anywhere close to Tottenham's first team, although saying that, he might be. Um, I think he would. It looks, I think yeah. if Dennis Serkin does. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy to think how we get these reactions. Aji was very, very, very similar, West, West Ham. Um, and they were like, yeah, we've lost a player there. So Dennis Serkin's in there. And the other one, and this is probably controversial because he, he could possibly be higher, but I wrote him off. I wrote him off. He's come back. He's come back. He can play anywhere. He can smile. He can do whatever he wants. My uh, tied number three would be Luke. Oh, I expected Leon Diago there. I thought it was going to be Diago. <laughs> but Diago was coming out. Oh, I was tempted. No, he, he, was just, he was number five, but we didn't drop that low, so... <laughs> no, it's again. He just epitomizes what Sunderland's about. What playing for Sunderland's about. People can get bored of the of the narrative, but it's true. He's a he's a bit of a cult hero. <laughs> Brad's giving us some grief about Bali Mumba Championship football next year. Just saying, unbelievable. Plymouth fans loved him. 
So, and he was number six, Brad, anyway. Yeah, you have to, for the record, if I'm thinking, why is Bolly Mumba randomly came up? You have to know of listening to the episode to understand. If you haven't, I don't know which episode it was. So it's just tough. I can't send you back. It was sometime last season. I can't remember when. But, uh... last, last season's review show where we picked our best League One eleven. Oh yes, it was. And you picked Bolly Mumba, right? <laughs> oh, as, as if, as if that was the worst part. I'm sure. I'm sure because I, I was going last all the time. I'm sure we ended up with Glenn Bloody Lewins in there, didn't I? Yeah. You did. <laughs> so Bolly Bolly Mumba was not the worst of that team, believe it or not. Dearie me, dearie me. Um, we're going to go for a break soon. Um, but before we do, I'll, I'll choose my number two and then obviously you can come back when we're going to be talking about our best moments of the season, the best goal of the season and then sort of digging into to what we think you know could happen next season and um, it's going to be a bit of a longer show than usual. I'll, I'll put a bit of hold music in between with the magic of editing on Premiere Pro and then uh, we'll be back. But as it is, we won't have the hold music. We'll just wait and then I'll come back. I'm sure you know what I mean. Um, but my number two was has been mentioned already. Probably slightly unlucky not to be number one. Uh, Danny Bart, just outstanding. And I think he's the poster boy for why we could probably do with a slight little bit more experience heading into next season because um, of how much he's led that team through it. And I don't want to touch on that Luton game, but there was part of me that was like, oh, if you just had a Danny Bart to lead that back line in that second leg, maybe, maybe we might have got no extra time at least. Um, but he's been that good. And, you know, he's led a very young team and a very young defence and a central midfielder at centre-half through a season with his experience, his now, his strength, his ability. Um, and I think he's a great centre-half and he's one of the best free transfer signings we've made in ages. And um, long may Danny Bart's reign at centre-half continue. But um, we're going to jump into a, a wee break and then we'll come back with Brad, Dave's uh, number two, my number one and Brad's number one and Dave's number one, a few of our favourite moments of the season. And then uh, we'll look at sort of ahead of next season and what we can hope and expect. And I'm sure it's going to be just as positive as this one. So thanks for joining me and joining us. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of seconds. Welcome back to part two. Obviously, hopefully you enjoyed part one. I'm guessing if you're here, you have enjoyed uh, part one. If you haven't, I'm going to be asking questions, but uh, nonetheless, we are going to crack on. If you uh, want to be reminded of what I said five seconds ago or 10 seconds ago, I chose, of course, number three as Ahmad Diallo and Trey Hume. My number two was Danny Bart. Brad, you chose Jack Clark and Danny Bart as your number three. Dave, you then chose Barley Mumba and Glenn Leuvens as your number three. <laughs> um, but Brad, it's time for your time for your number two. And when I say time for your number two, I don't mean a toilet break. No, I've just had my toilet break with everyone else. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my number two has already been mentioned. Um, it was a player where a lot of people thought, could he step up? A lot of people still don't rate him, I don't think, um, which is crazy. Um, but the reason I put him number two instead of Danny Bart is because 
when Bart's got injured, he's basically led the back line as a centre midfielder playing centre half. He is a centre half now, no no doubt about it. But I think Luke O'Neill this season has been it's probably been his best season for Sunderland. Um because yes, he he's probably played better when he was at right back and He's had some better moments over the years, but that was relative to League One. The way he stepped up and not only filled in alongside Danny Bart when Ballard was out, and, um, I think the flip side, I think Danny Bart went off against Hull and was missing a couple of games when Ballard was just coming back. He filled in there. The fact that he was our most experienced centre-half somehow and he marshalled that back line. And I think that, like, I know he gave the penalty away against West Brom, but I thought he was absolutely outstanding that game how we managed to just keep the young lads and, well, young lads and Gooch. I, I just, he just, no matter what people keep saying, he's limited on his ability. He finds a way to overcome any sort of adversity thrown his way. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone probably as hard working as Luke. His little video that he'd done, um, openly said his debut, he was honking. Took him ages to get back in the side. Um, but it's just because you can tell when he makes a mistake, he does something wrong and something's not quite there. He goes away and he works harder than anyone else. And I think that's just the, the, the epitome of what type of player I've always loved to see playing for Sunderland. Just someone who will work their nuts off and will never, ever give up no matter what people think. So this season, I think Luke O'Neill has just been absolutely exceptional. Um, again, probably not, his, not because of his technical ability, but just for his all-round leadership and just never give up. And, I mean, he's given us some unbelievably funny moments this season as well. Uh, necking on with someone at Norwich, getting the piggyback at the stage of my light, um, lifting his baby up to the crowd like it was the League One trophy last season, giving more Bray's baby so he can go and give someone else's shirt in the crowd. There's little bits like that as well. It's just something that you remember. But, yeah, Lugo 9 for me this season. It's just been brilliant. Yeah, we're a, we're a very pro... Uh, Luke Nine podcast. I don't know if that knocks us down the list of Sunderland podcasts. I don't know. I don't know if it increases our chances of being a, one of the better Sunderland podcasts, but uh, we're still happy with our fifth place. Dave, uh, who's who's your number two? Somebody you've always meant, uh, already mentioned, rather. Uh, and I think he is going to turn into a top, top, top class footballer. Uh and probably go on to bigger and better things with us, unless, of course, we do a Gary Neville and qualify for the Champions League very soon, because we all want to see that. Um, so, for me, it's Tri Hume. I, I just think he's phenomenal. I think he's got a bit of everything. He's got the right attitude. I think he's... One thing I will say with the whole squad, very, very, very level-headed guys. Nobody's above themselves. Everybody knows their job. Uh, so, yeah, I just think he's a wonderful footballer. I think it's nice to see a centre-half, well, sorry, a right-back who's a little bit taller uh, than average, wins things in the air, so means they haven't got a weakness when certain teams come up against you and go, oh, just put it on the full-back, let's not try and play football. Uh, he loves a challenge, yeah. Big, big fan. And also, I think he's got in abundance technical ability. I think he's an absolutely brilliant footballer. And I, I'm interested to see how he gets on with the rest of his career, to be fair. Hopefully a long time with us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Before I move on to my number one, what did he mean if we do with Gary Neville? He um he he was on was it Gary Neville? Was it? I'm sure it was, wasn't it? Last week he um he said that he'd love to see Sun I can't, I can't remember why he was on, but he'd love to see a team like Sunderland qualifying for the Champions League. He was on Monday Night Football and he said he was just talking about go. Newcastle that we just got to to the Premier League uh, to the Champions League. Sorry for swearing. And he said Dave Jones was on there and he said like your team Dave Sunderland I'd love to see them in the Premier League challenging for titles challenging for the Champions League because it was all about teams with big fan bases or a brand of football but they don't have the money so they'll always be a little bit further down That that's what he was saying I had no idea he even said that I don't listen to Gary Neville at the best of times to be honest So, uh, but fair play cheers Gary I prefer you to your brother I don't know if that's a compliment or not um, and as the song goes, if the Nevilles can play for England, oh no, no, I can't. Um, my number one's been mentioned, and and I, I think people probably know I'm going to go with this. I think I'd give him. I think in our half season review when the World Cup was on, I give him Player of the Year so far, or Player of the Season so far, and, and I haven't changed from it. Um, and I'm probably completely different to what Brad was saying before regarding him. It's Jack Clark as my number one. I just think his numbers are like they're ridiculous. Like his numbers are so good, and I think I'm probably the opposite. Like I know I know some fans get frustrated by like the way that he is, um, but he doesn't for me. I actually get excited every time he gets the ball, and I think you know the times when things don't come off. That's just because he's so brave um, and doing it and he's so confident in his own ability. It's been a long, long while since I've seen a young lad and he's, what, 22, have a bit of like cocky arrogance that as a winger, like, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to get round you. And if you are going to bring me, if you are going to get the ball off me, you're going to have to foul us. And I'm good enough to kind of draw the foul and win the free kick. Um, he's done that a few times this season, but I think... There's so many players I could have picked. Like, I absolutely love Patrick Roberts. I actually prefer watching Patrick Roberts um, play football in terms of wingers. But I just think Clark, he's got the numbers. He's someone I really bought into as a footballer. I'm really hoping no one comes in with money for him because if, uh, if we're falling in love with Diallo and all that kind of stuff, like, I've, I've really fallen in love with Jack Clark. He really, really excites me. I've got a lot of time for him. Um, and I think he's absolutely pivotal to anything we do moving forward. And for me, his numbers don't lie. Um, and for the fact that he didn't even start the playoff, playoff final last season, and actually Elliot Embleton did, for him to come in and have the season he's had, and it started right from the off with that header against Coventry. I just think he's been tremendous. Um, I love the fact that even when he's had games, when he's, he, had, he did have a honking game at Middlesbrough away, but he never stopped trying to get the ball. He never stopped saying, give it to us, give it to us, give it to us absolutely nothing came off for him that night. But he kept going and I've got so much time for his character. Um, I love that video when he says, you know, what what do you like doing, Jack? And he goes, playing for Sunderland. And I'm just like, that's that's just what I want. Um, and for me, Jack Clark is probably my my standout star of the season. Um, and I think just to kind of be fair to, to Brad before, you know, he didn't frustrate you as much as it might have sounded. You've put him in your top three, so you obviously quite like him as well. But um, for me, he's been... He's been my number one. Um, I absolutely love watching him and I'm really hoping that I can continue to do so next season and I am a little bit worried 
that his numbers are going to get noticed and there might be a bid. And unfortunately, I'm aware of the model. But prove us wrong, Jack. Prove us wrong. Christian, prove us wrong, Carol, and say no to any big bids because I think he's absolutely class. Uh, Brad, who's your number one? Um, Yeah, number one. I mean, just before I mention that, you both mentioned Trey Hume. If we were doing Young Player of the Year, he would mind. That's who I voted for on the, the fans one anyway because I agree with both what you said. But my Player of the Year, I don't think we went to podcast without actually mentioning his name since we've unveiled at the stage of my life alongside three other guys um, I've said and you've said you, you've tried to say it's all relative because we're championship we've been in the Premier League but for me he's the most technically gifted footballer I've ever seen play for Sunderland um, and that's Ahmad Diallo he's probably scored five goals this season six goals that are goal of the season contenders not just for us but probably for all of football in England um, and I think you touched on the Birmingham game and I don't think I appreciated really at the time of how good a footballer he was how he kept the ball to, to, to assist Sims that was just frightening I watched the video back the other day of the, all, all the goals this season when you watch that back it's just wow he strength, um, he strength in that moment to keep hold of the ball and I remember at the start of the season some people said oh he's he, luxury and you know, he doesn't track back, he doesn't work so hard. Yeah, he looks nice on the ball. I'll tell you what, take out his goals and how brilliant he's been with Diallo. The kid works his absolute bollocks off as well. He tracks back, he tackles, he uses his strength and he's, it's half the reason he's created so many goals and scored so many this season. That's what I'm saying. Like Another reason I would pick him is not just his on-the-ball stuff, his off-the-ball stuff. Um, my only worry now is with him going back to Manchester United, they're going to realise pre-season that he needs Patrick Roberts to play alongside him so are they going to come in and just chuck 60, 70 million at Patrick Roberts and then they've got themselves a, a good player there <laughs> they're, they're not going to get Patrick that cheap mate I'm not going to not for that cheap um, but yeah this season him and Roberts again I can't believe I haven't included Roberts in this top three but him and Roberts together I've always used the same sort of analogy it's like when you were back at school and the two best year 11s in the school went on the Astro turf at dinner time and there was a bunch of year sevens trying to chase and get the ball off them. And no matter what they've done, no matter how many people or little young'uns are trying to chase after them, do, they just couldn't get the ball back. And that was, that was how, how many goals did we score from them? It was just linking up like that. It was just brilliant. Um, look, we, we've talked about him weekly, so I can't not put him number one. Yeah, I think for me, probably the most technically gifted player we've had since Sessegnon. But, and I don't mean this, in a bad way, Cess, but Cess often had lead in his boots and couldn't really shoot. The once or twice he did, it was quite decent. Um, Diallo's got it all. And I honestly think he's gone right at the top. I've kind of come to peace with the fact that he's probably a Champions League player in time. If he's not, I'll be surprised. I'll openly admit that. And maybe I'm over-egging him here, but I just honestly thought he was that good. Um, I think the kid's a genuine talent. One of the best I've seen in ages. And God, Man United are lucky to have him. Um, Dave, I'm quite interested to see who your number one's going to be based on previous choices and previous years. Where we're we going? Um, because you've given me enough love, I can't believe I'm missing Ahmad out of my top three. But you've already given me enough of a love in. I echo every single sentiment that you've both said. Um, I think that's sick <laughs> as much. <laughs> Brad is just messaging that I'm going to pick Ross Stewart. I mean, we all know that I'd love to do that, but 
thing 12 is, games is based on Roscoe's numbers, realistically, <laughs> you can't even be mad at Roscoe because like obviously the injuries aren't his fault. And he scored like about like, almost a goal a game in the games he's been in. He, so had, like... he had our third most goal contributions throughout the whole season, only bettered by Ahmad and Jack Clark. Love him. Absolutely love Ross Stewart. He's still the main man for me, 100%. Can't wait for him to get back. Uh, and as much as I'd love to pick Roscoe, the reason that I haven't put uh, the likes of Danny Bart in my top three, which is a little bit hype, uh, hypocritical because I picked Cirque and he's been injured a long time. But the injuries and stuff have just curtailed their seasons a little bit too much. So for me, you've already mentioned him and I've absolutely loved him. Uh I'm loving the little videos from the guys at Sunland where they're asking the question of the week. Um, and that's one thing. Uh, I'll, I'll give a special mention to, to Jack Clark and Tri Hume. The fact that I love the last question where it's like, what's been your favourite part of the season? And they've gone, we haven't had Monday yet. And it's, it's that attitude, it's that positive belief that just one of my favourite moments of the season, I watched that video back and back and I go, I'm not quite sure how we've made the playoffs because we shouldn't have had a right to in terms of Millwall absolutely chucking it away at home. Um, but my number one, I've watched him since he was 17-year-old um, and I've followed him and thought he was brilliant. He's done it in the Champions League. He was unlucky that he didn't get a run at City. But I think Patrick Roberts is just an absolute wonderful, wonderful footballer. I love watching him. I just, yeah, him and Ahmad, um, Ahmad especially, the the first leg against Luton, that second half, it's not a comparison, but he walked through that second half against Luton. He just strolled about. And I, I have not seen a footballer do that since uh, it, its levels, of course. But Zidane is probably my favourite footballer of all time because he used... I don't think he ever sprinted. Not he just jogged. <laughs> well, he'll be up there by the time he, uh, by the time <laughs> he retires. But he just used to stroll through games. So I'm giving a bit of an Ahmad love in here. But... It's all about Patrick Roberts. I absolutely love watching the bloke every week. And I, I think Mowbray has said a few times this season, how unlucky is he? Because he is a wonderful, wonderful footballer. His quality is absolutely immeasurable. But he can't get him in the team sometimes. And I just love watching him. So Patrick Roberts for me. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with Patrick. Um I think he's probably my favourite player to watch. The, honestly, there's so many players. Pato has been outstanding this season. Like, Pato deserves huge credit. I think Dan Ballard's been incredibly unlucky to have two big injuries because when I've watched him, I see a 20, 25 million defender there. And that's without, you know, that he hadn't even had a full season yet. But um, but anyway, you know, we're waxing over. We're, we're being brilliant. That's kind of what we're saying. Um, my cat's having a meow in the background. So he's even, he's even happy about it all. Um, Gonna go through moment of the season. It's really hard to narrow this down, like because there's been so many good ones. But I'm gonna ask you for a quick, fast one because we've only got about 15 minutes left. Um, I'll go with mine first, and it might be the same as everyone else's. And if it is, that's fine. And I'll give a few sort of bullet point reasons behind it. Uh, pressing away, 
there's been some amazing days. Luton at home in the playoffs, Blackburn at home, Boxing Day, Wigan away. But for me, the, the day at Preston, the club felt together, had a little bit of luck on our side. But that second half when we knew Millwall were three one up, everyone just went, oh, I didn't mind, just go and win the game, do what we can do, you know, do what we can do and let's have a good day. We'll still have a pint after it, it'll be fine. And then when the luck kind of came on our side a little bit on top of that, it was just amazing the way that it all worked out. Um, the club felt together, the fans felt together. And and I kind of think I knew we weren't going to win the playoffs, but there was a part of me that was like, no matter what happens here, got my club back a bit. And I know that's cheesy, but it, but it's true. Um, so for me, pressing away. But, but Brad, yours might be different. It might be the same. I don't know. Uh, I was torn between two. Um yeah, go on. I'll, I'll go with it. For me, it was Watford away when Bennett scored. And the reason for that was we just chucked five young'uns on that not one of us really knew anything about. Um, And we pulled it back against a good Watford side. Uh, well, well, what we thought was a good Watford side. Tough place to go. And it just... It just at that moment, I just thought, you know what, this team's got no fear, and Tony Mowbray is not going to be worried, not going to be afraid to throw these youngins on and have a go because it worked. Uh, I thought Bennett's score for me was unbelievable. It was just a great moment. I think that might have been actually a bit of a turning point where we've went, we've got knee strikers, but we've managed to score two goals away from home, salvage a point, and play with a bunch of lads who were doing the GCSEs or their equivalent in France last year. Um, or Costa Rica. Um, I was torn between that and West Brom because the West Brom game, when that when we won, I genuinely believed we were going to get promoted. So for an individual moment, I'm torn between them two, but I'll just edge Watford just because of how it came about and we were forced into them changes and Mowbray basically had no fear and it paid off. Yeah, same question to you. Um, you've got one choice and it's hard, but go for it. Very. Um, there's so many moments I, I wasn't lucky enough to be at Preston. Um, but even watching it, um, I think I was in. I think I was in Tunisia at that time when I was watching it. Um, so <laughs> I just let go what you meant. Uh, were you scouting the next wonder kid? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, yeah, I should have went with Azerbaijan. Kept Watch, the theme. Watching it with Wabi Kazri just by his head. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but it, it looked immense. It was fantastic. Uh, moment of the season, just shading it, is is probably Luton at home. Um, it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. From the minute we went behind, well, before the game, the club got it right. It was brilliant. It was absolutely magical. Um, so I absolutely loved that. And instant moment I shouldn't have to but I've got to give a quick mention because I was at Redden and I haven't been to too many but that goal the the goal at Redden especially sitting next to Glenn I love giving Glenn a little mention but Glenn's there going fucking hell Dave what, what's going on Dave I'm fucking out the world eh? and I'm like love it absolutely love it Glenn that is what we can do and uh, yeah I think that was the moment in the season that I knew that we were in for a good year so banging. Still can't get over how much um for the 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 listeners not old enough to remember this, Glenn Little. Uh you won't remember him. But for those of you who who do remember Glenn Little, who's not Australian, despite Dave's accent, um 
he looks like Blakey from one of the buses, and it's still one of the best lookalikes ever. Sorry, Glenn. Um, completely not something related, but nonetheless, he does look like Blakey from one of the buses. Um, the next choice we have here is uh, goal of the season. So it's Jack Clark against Redden. Brilliant. We're moving on. Um, and we want to move on to sort of next season. Um, look, we, we we hummed and hard about it. Yeah, there was loads of great goals, but Jack Clark's is the best. Dave's mentioned it. We're not going to give anyone a choice. It's Jack Clark's goal against Redden. Um, shove that right up your arse. AFL Championship, people who choose goal of the season because you're idiots for not even considering it for nomination because it is prime prime Tony Mowbray's son and, and it's bloody brilliant. Um, but next season, Brad, obviously, with this time in... You know, the time we're speaking, we don't know too much about who we're going to sign. The rumours aren't really there. We're, we're just 10 days out of our own season. But we know Mishu obviously, is, is not going to stay, which I'll openly admit I'm really disappointed with. I, I really liked Edward Mishu, but the, the, the listeners are going to be surprised here. I have trust in the recruitment model. Yes, I know. I've got to trust it. They've earned the stripes that, you know, they've... They've earned credit and they've got a bit of credit in the bank from me. Well, I think it's got to have a bit of adjustment. Fair enough. If you think Mishu doesn't make sense, okay, I'll trust you on it, as disappointed as I am. But aside from that, there's only, obviously, sadly, the lovely, the man I love more than anyone in the world, Carl Winchester, has uh, gone into the the release list. And then Jacob Carney, obviously, third-choice goalkeeper. So there's going to be some moves in the transfer window. I think the work will have already gone into that. But... um. Looking ahead to next season, there's obviously a few things, Brad. Is there more pressure now? Um, and where do you think we need to strengthen? And what things can we do to ensure that, you know, getting in the playoffs is not an achievement next season? Maybe winning the playoffs or maybe even having to go to the automatics? Um, because I think there will be a little bit of an expectation on there from both the club, the players, and also the fans. Um, For me, there's a few areas. I do think we need another Corey Evans mould of a midfielder. My experience I mean and I know we've got lads like Equan that, that can play there Dan Neal's done a, a decent enough job when he's being called upon um, but we need someone with experience in there just in case um, for me as well on the striker department now it might seem daft I think we need three strikers and the reason being we need a plan as if Ross Stewart is not here he's had two big injuries this season so we need to have Stewart might come back next year and play every single minute of every game like you've done in the uh, League One season which would be fantastic but we need to use that as sort of maybe a bonus we can't rely on the fact like he's had two injuries he's had a good pre-season let's, let's hope that he'll be fine for next year if we plan with maybe he's a young up and coming striker in the sort of mould of Ross Stewart look hey if we can go and get Ellis Sims back depending on what happens in the Premier League tomorrow if Everton stay up, I wouldn't be surprised if we go and get Ellis Sims and make him our first signing. Because I will reiterate, they have treated him, treated him, treat him absolutely appallingly since he's gone back. Um, I know he scored against Chelsea away, but that's just a bog-standard mid-table premiership team, isn't it? Um, yes. So, <laughs> for me, we need three strikers. And that's key. Um and probably another decent centre-half because we've been left very short. I mean, I still think it's crazy that we allow Bailey Wright to go on loan because we've got in Joe Anderson and we had no centre-halves. Anderson still couldn't play. So mm-hmm. what was the point in sending Bailey Wright out? <laughs> that was a bit bit of a strange one for me. And it might sound daft because Pat O's played every minute, um, every minute of this season. 
But again, he's a young lad. Could he suffer from burnout? He's not going to have a long break as he's being called up for the provisional Euro squad for England. I'd probably look at an experienced goalkeeper to come in as well. Again, like we said last year, to push him. I don't. I know Bass is probably an all right lad. I, I, I haven't seen too much of him. I'd probably look to get someone in who's and get shot of Bass. Someone who's we're going to be confident in could replace Anthony Patterson if Patterson does have a little bit of a dip. Um, but apart from that, the squad we've had this season with the players that are going to be coming back from injury, they can stay fit just with one or two. Well, I say one or two, I've just said three strikers. So maybe <laughs> six good additions and two experienced additions in, the, in that six, I think we'll be in good stead. Yeah, I, I would like to see us deviate from the model slightly. Um, I want, I would like to stick with it in the main, but I think you know how much we missed Corey Evans, how important Danny Bart was this season, and even Pritchard towards the end when moments really mattered. Probably show you that you do need a little bit at least in the squad. Um, I would like to keep yeah. all the players we have here as well. That's a big thing. I think there'll be some bids coming in. You touched on Pato before. My big worry with Pato and Jack Clark is that. You know, we're not the only club with a model that looks at young players to try and build them up and we'll be, you know, potentially you could look at us as, as players that you can pick up and, and produce and, and make better. Yeah. I mean, what I did say to you off air as well, I should have touched on for next season, is when we came up last year, we were looking forward to our front four and I think a lot of people were fearing what we could do with Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, Alex Pritchard and Ross Stewart. And I think if Ross Stewart's in the side, we get the best out of Alex Pritchard because he's not the one leading the press. Stewart does that and Alex is the next line behind that. So to see the best out of Pritchard, which luckily hasn't had a bad season, I would say he's had a strong seven, seven out of ten this season, which isn't that bad. I still think there's something there from Pritchard and like to, to maybe just go up another level if he's got Ross Stewart in front of him because them two were brilliant together last season. Well, the season before last, because now this season was last season. Yeah, I'm waffling. Um, but you've got to think, we were we were very excited to see that front four. Um, we've just been very lucky and blessed that Ahmad was basically ready-made to come in and change the way that we play. But you might see us revert back to putting Ross Stewart up there and Pritchard in behind him, because that, that, that was a dream to watch sometimes, that mind. I think on top of that as well, there's also like um, one thing we probably should remember is that as good as the whole squad's been this season, I think Jewis and Benetti was starting to show signs of maybe not being just completely raw. Um, I thought he played well against Fulham when he came on and there's certainly something about him. Uh, Abdullah Barr, I think, has got a big season coming ahead of him and I think we were just starting to see what Pierre Equa can produce. So the good thing about that is as well as on top of you know what we've already got, there is certain young players there that are starting to show exactly what they've got. So there's there's plenty to be positive with within the squad. I think if you add a good few additions to the squad, I think Burnley have to be a, a team that you know you look to aspire to be. I'm not saying let's go win the league with a hundred and odd points, but they've brought in some good young hungry players and mix it with the likes of experience like Josh Brownhill. Um and I think that that is just a perfect combination. Um, and fingers crossed we can we can go on and do quite well. But um, Dave, I'm going to leave you with sort of the, the last question. Um, what what should be the aim next season? Are we aiming too high? Are we kind of delirious from a good season? Or is it automatic promotion with the right sort of recruitment um, 
seeing staying a bit more free from injury and building on what we've done this season. Is it is it realistic or is it just a case of do you think getting the playoffs and see if we can then win it a little bit like Luton have this season? I think everything's quite well balanced from a club nowadays. So I, th- I think the the minimum will be uh, behind closed doors will be top six. I think that's what they'll aim for. Um, I think we as fans, considering we've done it with so many injuries this season and the style of football that we're playing, I think we're going to expect that as well. Uh, so yeah, a couple of improvements. I, I personally think Pritchard will be off in the summer. I don't know why. It's just a feeling I've got. And I just wonder if the club might look at uh, Gelhart as a replacement for him, which would be uh, which would be an interesting one. And I think I've found our next uh, our next loan player who I'd love to fall in love with. And I, I wonder if we might have a little cheeky go at someone like Cole Palmer. That'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think the one thing I'd I'd want to stick with is keeping everybody at the club or certainly 90% of them. I think they've all got a great dynamic. I think they're all of similar ages and a couple of little experience tweaks here and there. I think they'd be fantastic. So for me, it's top six. Well, let's put the predictions out at the end of the season. Top six with a little flirt of top two. That's next season's prediction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think you're right in what you say. I have a feeling we'll be sniffing around the likes of someone like Charlie Patino as well. Um, I think we're, we're pretty stacked in midfield and I'd like a bit more experience in there, but I think you can't turn down someone who's going to be available pretty cheap. But it'll be really interesting to to sort of see what players do come in. I mean, Diallo last season was like, it felt big at the time. It was even better than I ever thought it was. And with the, the names like Cole Palmer and, and players like that, teams are going to look at us now and go, yeah, they can develop players and we can bring them back um, to our club and, and go on. And, and that is how the loan market works. But unfortunately for the club, when you lose a Diallo, it's disappointing, but I'd rather have a player here for a season that contributes the way he does and clubs trusting that we can develop these players and then we we sort of move on. But, um, but lads, it's been great to chat and sort of assess the season. Um, much like last season, obviously last season was a bit more delirious and a bit more relief, but... This would just be nice to sit down and, and sort of assess it. I don't really know what we plan to do over the summer. Um, people have been incredibly nice all season and very much as nice when the season's ended. So I'm sure we'll be doing something for you because um, we enjoy it as much as some of you do listening it, uh, listening to it. So we'll, we'll get something in, but um, obviously we can't wait to get back to the proper stuff. And uh, we're 10 days out of it and we're, now we're, we're ready and raring to go <laughs> two months before the season starts. But... Dave, Brad and, and Ross, obviously I know you're not here, but thanks very much for joining me throughout the season. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, and you know what? You can subscribe if you want. I'm going to let you do it this time. I normally say do it if you like, but go on. If you haven't done it, press the wee button and then there'll not be another podcast for two months. You'll forget about it. And then uh, you'll feel good about it when the surprise one comes in in early August. Yeah, I agree. Um, listen, <laughs> I've said it just here. Get in there. <laughs> Got to sign off. Um, no, it's been a pleasure again this season, Graham. Again, just a quick mention to other ones out there that it's great to listen to. Yeah, I've just enjoyed. I've I've just enjoyed the season listening to everyone's reviews. Um, some outrageous takes, but West Sunderland, <laughs> and I I just yeah, it's just been great. Let's just I can't wait. 
You know what, Graham? It's been that good. I want to start doing review shows of the pre-season friendlies. Because I just love watching some of them again. Yeah, yeah, it's getting to that. And we've been serious for that. It sounds like we're having a laugh, but we've probably been serious. Let's 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 do a uh, a review of San Antonio FC away. Um, what do you think of the eleven substitutes at halftime? But yeah, honestly, like like I say, let's I hope mean, the floodlights work this time. Don't even talk to me about that. Um, I think you know you're right in what you say. Like it's been great, everyone tuning in and listening. But we're, we're kind of absolutely blessed. You've touched on a few there, Brad, and obviously you've got your reports there and that as well, and what it's been saying. There's just so many podcasts that Sunderland have and it's brilliant how many are supported by Sunderland fans and we like to joke around and take the pee a bit because ultimately like that's kind of the way we work but um, it is always nice when people listen in and think we've got something of value to add so um, yeah continue to do it if you want if you don't like I say it's always fine but um, thanks for tuning in this season and um, if you've left us at this point I'm going to be questioning why you've left at this point but uh, if you do you do uh, thanks very much for listening and uh, how are the lads enjoy the year enjoy your summer everyone all the best mate all the best listen listen